Climb aboard the struggle bus. You got problems just like us. Climb aboard the struggle bus. Let Kate and Sally help you. Welcome to the struggle bus. I'm Kate. I'm Sally. And we are here to fix your lives. That said, we are two people whose only qualifications to give you advice are that we have lots of feelings and lots of opinions. Neither of which are a substitute for professional guidance. Facts. We pretty much do crush it, though. Yeah. Pretty good. I mean, we can probably just take out that disclaimer. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> well, except for, yeah, no, there's, I think the only thing we're, we're good at saying consistently mm-hmm. is go to therapy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's that. Um, how are you doing? I am well. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's Valentine's Day. It is today. Happy yeah. Valentine's Day. It, thank you, you too. I'm drinking... <laughs> It took me a while to figure it out because um, I normally drink out of cups like these. Oh, so par- pardon me for not making a bigger deal. But I'm having Sally's special coffee. Although you did offer me the almond ole. An almond milk cafe ole. That has to happen some other time because yeah. I-, I like black coffee in the morning. But it's a heart-shaped mug and it says hot stuff, which is like a double entendre. Sure is. I guess. I mean, I do what I do. It's so good. And also the handle of the mug is also a heart. Oh my god. Pretty, I don't know what to do with myself. Pretty this is great. Amazing. Pretty yes. great. And it's great coffee. We can we can put that in the Instagram. That's an interesting Instagram. We picture, have an Instagram right? to have sure we. Do. Um cool. So uh listen, hey, to check out our Instagram, you can go on to Instagram.com slash the struggle bus pod. You can tweet at us at struggle bus pod. You can email us strugglebuspodcast at gmail.com if you want to join our secret safe space Facebook group. Uh, definitely write and say, I want to be in the group, write us an email. Don't write us a Facebook message because I might not get it. I did get one yesterday, but it was one of those, you have a hidden message. And I'm Mm. like, oh, dear God, who's it from? And of course, it was from someone lovely who just found the show, hello, and wanted to get in and didn't know about the whole thing. So it's not a big deal. But if you write a Facebook message, we may not see it. Um, So yeah, and if you have a question for the show, please keep sending them in. Send it to strugglebuspodcast at gmail.com. Same email but put it in the subject line that you have a question. Indeed. Because if you do both, we get confused mm-hmm. and then the world just... Uh, use the hashtag StrugglePodBuds420 to find a struggle buddy. StrugglebusPodcast.com is our website where you can uh, get songs that we feature on mm-hmm. the episode and also become a member. Tweet at Sally T. Tweet at me at SPK Heller. Sally, mm-hmm. I always make you do this. What's a membership get you? Well, Catherine, uh, if you donate... $5 or more a month. Just $5. Just $5. You get not only a monthly bonus episode and an archive of all of our bonus episodes. Oh, yeah. We have five now. We have five. That's right. You. <coughs> oh, I saw that. Excuse me, everybody. It was weird because you like kind of rubbed your nose, but then coughed. Yeah. And I was like, that I, was supposed to be a sneeze. It was a confusing melange of, I of uh, sounds and gestures. Um, you also get a membership card to our little community in the form of a fare card to ride the struggle bus. It looks very similar to a New York City Metro card. It sure does. And um, what does it say on the back? Uh, never ride alone. I love that. And you can uh, keep it in your wallet and bust it out whenever you're feeling like you need some strength and love from the struggle bus community. Yeah, but as I've learned, it doesn't actually work as a Metro card. Yeah, sadly, that's a much more expensive membership yeah. if you want it to function as a oh, car Living card. in New York without a car. Um, um, so please support us. And also... Uh, thank you to people who already support us. You're awesome. Yeah. And I would suggest if you write in to the show and we answer you, you should check out uh, stru- uh, our 
the fuck the a twitter handle oh struggle yeah, yeah, yeah. at struggle bus pod because recently um people have been like uh tweeting at us with like helpful responses to people who have uh, whose email I don't I'm having a really hard time no, forming your sentences like um, anonymous emails come in and people want to help but mm-hmm. they don't want to overstep and say give me their email address they want to say please pass this along Thank or you. something yes. like that yeah so it's in our Twitter feed follow struggle bus pod if especially if you've written in and uh, thank you for helping me complete that thought yeah no, no I, I saw what you were uh, doing with that it's a rough morning Listen, it took a lot to make this hot stuff coffee mug I know I think I blew all my like cognitive whatever oh, as you yeah. can on that word retrieval isn't happening <laughs> i was just telling sally that uh well it's valentine's day mm-hmm. and uh my boyfriend is a playwright mm-hmm. and he is currently in rehearsals for his new show which is going to be amazing and i'm so excited but that means that he's in rehearsals till 11 o'clock at night now you might say oh Catherine, that's too bad but I haven't had a night to myself in a while. Mm. And I, go figure, enjoy cooking. And I made an elaborate meal last night. And mm. I uh, got some Valentine's things. And I went to uh, my favorite vegan place to get cupcakes. And I, I made a quiche. Whoa. And a Caesar salad. Like, it was amazing. That sounds incredible. All vegan and it was incredible. Yeah. What's With, in a vegan quiche? Mm, I was just about to tell you. <laughs> I have a new thing. So I used to make um, tofu ricotta, which is uh, uh, you yeah. know, tofu, olive oil, salt, pepper, uh, garlic, blender, boom. But if you mix it with cashews that have either been boiled for like 10 minutes or sitting in water for two hours, I do not have time to the water thing so I boiled them it works and it makes them all soft and then you put that in there with some nutritional yeast a little bit of apple cider vinegar or lemon and salt pepper to taste it is like a really good consistency very grainy like ricotta and then I mix the two Mm. put some spinach and put some sauteed onions in there a little pie crust little, little tomatoes on the on the top there it was Fantastic. That sounds awesome. Do you yeah. make your own pie crust? I did not. Okay. Well, no, that's like a whole that's next a level whole thing. Next like level Julia thing. Child didn't even make her own pie crust. No. She, she did store-bought. Way too busy. Who has time for that? Nobody. That's um, who. That sounds delicious. Yeah, it was really good. Is and it, then the Caesar salad, chicken Caesar salad I bought from Terry. It, I mean, they're not giving us money, but let's face it, I give them money. So yeah. advertisement, whatever. They have excellent Caesar salad dressing, which yeah. I bought separately as well, but also went ahead and bought their... Chicken Caesar salad, which tastes like chicken. I like their, um, thank God my office has moved away from there. <laughs> I know, we, I know. we were like on the same block and I spent a lot of money there. <laughs> they have, but they have this, uh, I think it's called the Southwest salad. Mm. And it's like, it's like um, a pile of like processed like soy protein with some kind of sauce, like red mm-hmm. barbecue sauce or something like mm-hmm. that. And then some quinoa. And just like lettuce, that's it. Yeah. It's so good. I have to stay away from 23rd Street in general because there's Terry and then there's Blossom Du Jour. Oh, yeah. Which is sort of like the takeout. That's like further west, is, right? Oh, yes. Yeah, that place is really good. But unfortunately, I work between 26th Street on 11th Avenue in one place and the other place is 25th Ooh. Street and 6th. Yeah. So I am always going between the two. Yeah, you're right in the zone. Guys, my life is so hard with all that amazing vegan food that is very expensive, it- though. <laughs> Uh, maybe people can, uh, you, if you want to get us Terry gift cards, we'll also make you a member. Stop it. <laughs> Is that, it's like bribery or yeah, something, Yeah, and by right? the way, it's not expensive. It's not more expensive than like any other restaurant Yeah, in the it's world. just expensive to buy food from restaurants in New York, basically. Uh, yeah. But it's like, like a salad there is like 10 or $11, but that's like how much salads are. And it's worth it. And it's big. Yeah, it's really it, it big. It was two big ones for us when I mixed it up with other stuff. Yeah. yeah. Pile, a pile of like <laughs> processed 
chicken stuff. Oh, so good. Anyway, we can talk about Terry all we want. There's they also have a really good um portobello sandwich. Oh my god, yes. And it's really good. A fish fillet. It tastes just like McDonald's. Really? Yeah. yeah. I don't I'm not that into that. No, okay. Um I'm not into <laughs> there's uh, fish is like I have a very like love-hate relationship with fish and fish like things. Fish products. Fish products. Um but let me just say one last thing about Terry. It's Please incredibly do. important for me to say. They changed the recipe for their portobello pesto sandwich. And I think it was actually better before. It's still really good. Oh. But if uh, if Terry, if you're listening, mm-hmm. Terry Franklin, the founder of Terry, mm-hmm. um, please... Mm, change your recipe back. It's kind of like when McDonald's, for some reason, got rid of the Arch Deluxe back when I ate meat. Because the Arch Deluxe, it was the best burger ever. It had a secret sauce. I don't remember. I don't remember the Arch Deluxe, actually. Uh, I I was 20 years old when it came out, and it lasted for six months, and nobody ate it but me. The thing I do remember (laughs) is uh, the McDLT. Do you remember that? No. I think it was like the the gimmick was that it was served in a box and on one side were the hot ingredients and on the other side were the cold ingredients. Are you sure that wasn't like Burger King? That was the gimmick. I think it was called the McDLT. I don't even know what DLT stands for. Duck lettuce tomato, BLT. Like maybe... I know what you're talking about, though. They're like, it's so it doesn't get soggy. And I was like, yeah. no, I want a soggy burger. That's why I would go to McDonald's. Right. Like, why would you not want a soggy burger? <laughs> yeah, so yeah. McDLT was a cheeseburger that was served at McDonald's in a styrofoam container that split between the meat and the vegetables and sauce. Oh, my God. Jason Alexander did the commercial. <gasps> but what does the D stand for? I, that's, yeah, deluxe? Um, I don't know. I'm still thinking about the Arch Oh, Deluxe. yeah, the Arch Deluxe just that came up. so too. good. Do you remember? So this I is don't the, know what was the difference the was. Where the two sides. No, that I remember. remember that? Yeah. 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 Um, but I don't know what DLT. The Arch anyway. Deluxe was like the new Crystal Pepsi or like Windows 95. Everyone fucking hated it. Yeah, it was totally. like the biggest hyped thing. Yeah. Was I just a victim to advertising? So I was like, the ad. I, we all went through Crystal Pepsi together, though. Oh, that was terrible. God. What a letdown. What a letdown. Um. Anyway, <laughs> if you know what the D. Oh, yeah. I guess it's McDonald's. Yeah. McDLT. McDLT. Yeah. I don't think Burger King can get away with that. Not not great wordplay. Yeah, no. no, but I mean, like, I think that's what the McD means. McD. And then LT is lettuce, lettuce and, tomato. and tomato. But there's no meat? Tomato and lettuce were the selling points of this menu item. Oh. It, no, there was <laughs> meat. <laughs> it was a salad. So, yeah, it was right. It was a cheeseburger. Oh. And on the other side was the lettuce and tomato. This obviously failed because the concept is totally muddled. I don't understand it I, at I all. I could really help them with this. I, I have feel no like. idea what's happening. Anyway, guys. Yeah. Um, so the McDLT. May they rest in power. <laughs> R.I.P. Arch Deluxe and McDLT. Yeah. Um, should we jibber jabber? Yes. Uh, real quick, I wanted to say, actually, uh, speaking of uh, burgers, I was a guest on Keith and the Girl the other oh, day. Yeah, I saw that. With Jess Tom, who was also on Tell the Bartender. They're cool. an amazing comedian, and it was a great episode. But uh, the opening, Keith and Hemda tell the story about, I'll let you listen to it. It's, it's actually really funny. Basically, Burger King had like an Instagram war where like somebody on Burger King was like, had to wait 20 minutes for my girl in the drive through for the Whopper, but it was hashtag worth it. And then some other girl was like, who were you with last night? And everyone's like, oh, LOL, cry happy, sad face. But one of the women who is allegedly the girlfriend, they used Hemda's face. Hemda's the uh, co-host of Keith Whoa. and the Girl. They stole it from the internet. And then people started doing research and like, was it a Burger King ad campaign or was someone just lazy and p- chose the photo? And then BuzzFeed 
where you work, mm-hmm. did a like a deep dive, but couldn't find out enough information about her, which is hilarious because you can find out a lot about her. But most important, there's a BuzzFeed video with five million views about Hemda and her husband. Oh, that's right. Who's trans. And like that was like the biggest thing. So they never made that connection, which is fine. I don't blame BuzzFeed. They're very busy doing awesome stuff, by the way. But it's a very funny story. It's very long, but it's it, it's really weird. I got it. I totally missed this. Yeah. Yeah. There's like a lot of different departments at BuzzFeed. So not everyone. Oh, I hadn't heard of it either. I mean, I didn't even know this was a thing. But apparently the Whopper, everyone's like, but it's delicious. And I'm like, you guys, is this this an ad campaign? So they got into a fight with Wendy's. Is that the deal? No, it was uh, a guy. Yeah. A guy wrote on the Burger King thing. My girl, it took 40 minutes in the drive through, but it was worth it which is, first of all, not a thing. And then his alleged girlfriend was like, you were, you said you were with your boys last night, LOL. And and someone else like, I told you you saw that guy at Rogue One with that girl. And it's like, are they now doing an ad for Rogue One and and the Whopper? Oh. So it, it's, listen to it on Keith and the Girl. Wow, it's, this is so, this is a long-ass post. It is a long-ass post. But um, they, they go in depth. And uh, Jess Tom is an amazing comedian. If you don't know them, they are, Amazing, wonderful, up and coming, and also one of the nicest people in the world. And we had a really, really fun time on the show. So that sounds awesome. Yeah. I can't wait to listen. Um, I just like fell into a rabbit hole of reading about that story. No, I know. Um, <laughs> it's, okay. And there's more to it. So, so <laughs> amazing. It can go on forever. Okay. So, oh, yeah. Jibber jabber, right? Yeah. Oh, wait. Was that your jibber? No, no, it wasn't. You, no, oh, my, oh. so mine was going to be I finally did an episode of Tell the Bartender. I'm doing it once a month now. Um, and I miss it. And I realize it makes me so happy. Mm. It was the first thing I did years ago when I was like in a really boring job and trying mm-hmm. to be an actor. And I did it because you have to make your own projects. Mm-hmm. And podcasting was kind of new. And I really, really love doing it. But the reason it takes so long is I, um, you know, I like to pick the right songs. I like to edit down the interviews. I want to make it make me feel good. I listen like three times back. I listen in different ways as a, like a new listener mm-hmm. and all this stuff. And I love the episode I posted. And I just want to let you know that I still am only doing it once a month now. But um, I really, really enjoy this episode. That sounds awesome. And I kind of get into it at the end about the Muslim ban and my feelings as a New Yorker. I did have to edit some parts out because I sounded a little angry. But... <laughs> Um, I had a woman on who is a bridesmaid for hire. Wow. Yes. Wait, what does that mean? Exactly. (laughs) It means that women who don't want to deal with their friends having to do the job, many reasons actually. Some of them lie and like give her a backstory because they do not like their own friends or they don't have Mm. friends or the mother's being difficult and they're like, I need you to help me out. So some of the bridesmaids know she's for hire, some don't. But actually, I don't want to give away too much, but the reason she got into it is a lot about she was bullied and female friendship, and she does a lot of talks about mm. women and, and their communication. It was really, really great. That sounds So she she's hired to be in weddings? Yes. Wow. That's... Oh, and I took pictures of the dresses. Oh, we oh, went wow. there. She's oh, my God. I can't wait to listen. That's fascinating. So cool. And the second woman is a woman I met. Um, she is a little bit older. I don't know exactly how old. She's got this really cool, awesome son, um, and she talked about traveling uh, to Burma when she was very young by herself and just about traveling and Americans traveling in general and if you can and what she learned and how humbling it is and how big the world is and then it was actually recorded right before the Muslim ban was mm. announced we t- we talked about that 
So that's where it ends, and then I talk a little bit more about that. That sounds awesome. You know what? You don't got to listen. That's the whole show. No, it's really you good. You do have to listen. It is a really good. I'm really happy with how. I'm psyched to hear it. Yeah. Good so stuff. Tell the bartender. Um, tell the bartender, everybody. Um, my jibber jabber. I cannot wait for this. <laughs> my, I wish I had like made this up, but it's actually the title of an article. Um, Liberals lay down your facts and pick up a more useful weapon, emotions. Mm-hmm. And um, it's this essay on Slate. Um, the author is named Jess Zimmerman. Huh. And um, it's pretty interesting. I think that like, <clears throat> excuse me, mm-hmm. um, some of it is like, I, I think is really interesting and some of it I agree with and some of it I'm like, nah, jury's still out on that one. Mm-hmm. But um, it's about basically how countering inaccuracies with facts and being like, no, you're wrong. Let me explain why you're wrong. Doesn't not only does it not really move people, but it reinforces the thing they already believe. Yeah. Um, and there's this quote I wanted to read that says, <clears throat> excuse me, that's all right. Um, the project right now isn't one-sided, undeserved empathy. Mm-hmm. It's understanding people enough to talk to them strategically. Mm-hmm. And the nature of lies means that to be most effective in this effort, we're going to have to face an even greater challenge. We must let go of the impulse to tell them that they've got their facts wrong, even when they do. Engaging on the plane of belief where lies live means taking a break from trying to prove what's factually accurate and talking instead about what feels meaningful in the heart. And it's really interesting because she makes the distinction between like she makes it clear that like it's journalism's job to like report facts and you know call out lies and fact check when think when we're being lied to but in terms of um how we try to talk to people about issues um it she's suggesting mm-hmm. that it might be less useful to be like no 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 that was a lie let me explain why why this is wrong and why that's made up and more useful to be like what what is it about that thing that oh. you find compelling? Like, do you like does some, is someone does someone find it compelling that like they will be safer and our country our borders will be safer? Very if they believe interesting. The thing. You know what I mean? And, and what about conservatives though? Is it also recommended that they do that too, or is, or well, is that out of her, the equation? How does that work? Well, her she she's pointing out this thing that like a lot of other people pointed out, which is that that's what conservatives do, which is oh, how they okay. they get they get people to like vote for things that aren't actually that good for them economically. But it's like, you know, they, they need the health, they need Obamacare. Um, they, you know, they need unions and stuff like that, but they, uh, they understand that it's more, it's more compelling to like appeal to someone's like worldview Mm -hmm. than to, um, like individual issues. And, Mm -hmm. um, she, she's not saying like, it's 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 interesting. It's like it's pretty nuanced, and it's basically about trying to understand like what it is that people are attached to when they hear certain things and when they repeat certain lies. It's like what what is the fear there, mm-hmm. or what is the feeling? And then let's that let's counter that instead of being like, uh, no, that fact is wrong P- purely because it it doesn't. It's strategically just not as useful. And, and I think we've been talking about this. I completely agree. Um, why I love storytelling versus just, you know, facts. Facts are important, but when you hear someone you may disagree with tell a story, you get why it's personal and you can disagree with them on a certain level, but still be like, okay, I see your point mm-hmm. of why. Right, right, right. You know what I mean? As opposed to like, you lie, no, you lie, fake news. It's like, we're getting nowhere with right, that. So right, exactly. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I mean, she talks also about um, some like cognitive neuroscience around what happens when we when 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 something that we believe is debunked instead of us 
realizing it's false, it actually like reinforces what we already think because wow. it's just a way of being like re-exposed to it. Wow. Which is kind of interesting. Oh, I need to read this, um, yeah. Yeah, it's cool. And like, you know, she she's, she's very like clear to be like, I'm not saying that we shouldn't call out falsehoods when they're there. Um, but like, an, but a, one strategy we should like think about adopting when it comes to like swaying people is this other thing. Anyway, it was cool. I, I, I liked reading it. It was, it was interesting I'll, to think I'll about. I'll put a link to it on our website. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I'll, yeah, send, yeah. I'll send you the yeah. link. Cool. Um, okay, cool. So what about, uh, let's talk about self-care. A thing we did for self-care. You know, I don't know about you, but these weeks have been like melding into days. I thought today was Monday. Like I have no idea. Mm -hmm what day it is. And I'm not joking. Uh, I am relying on my calendar a lot more than I used to because I am having a hard time remembering things. Mm -hmm. And I did sleep a lot this weekend. I nice. think my mind needed to shut down again. Mm -hmm. And I just let it happen. And I didn't do much. And at first I was like, I'm wasting time. I have work to do. But I was like, I need to recharge massively. Mm -hmm. And I know I've been saying this for months, but it's been a real rough couple of months, year maybe, with everything going on, and uh, recharging's okay. Mm -hmm. you know? That's awesome. Yeah. Especially sometimes it's just sleep. Like I know sometimes it's like I took a bath and I watch Netflix. Sometimes it's just like actually yeah. being asleep. I, again, pillow. I mean, covers over my head. Nice. It, it really helps me. Well done, baby in the womb. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what about you? I so I went to New Haven this past weekend to hang out with my parents and hang out with a friend. And it was awesome. Like, I, I actually think just getting out of the city and taking a break from like my day to day, thinking about like my day to day routine here was like in and of itself self-care. Mm -hmm. um, and it was really, really relaxing. I slept better than I have in a long time. Um, it was so great. But the the specific thing I did was on Sunday morning, I got up really early and I drove around New Haven. I went to my favorite coffee shop um, and I got I've coffee. Been there, right? Have you? Yeah, I took a picture of their chip jar and you were like, I know that place. Was that Maybe. it? Maybe. I have a terrible memory. But that mm, sounds right. I okay. believe it. Yeah. Um, I'm like the guy in Memento, but only but <laughs> it's like instead of having like a minute of memory, I have like two weeks. So mm -hmm. if it happened really weeks ago, it's like gone. Right. Um, but uh so I went I went there and I got coffee and I just like sat there and I looked around and um like looked out the window. I didn't even really look at my phone. It was really nice. And then I drove around New Haven and I drove past like places that um, I spent a lot of time. And I don't know, it just felt so good to be home and yeah. be all by myself. And it was just, I don't know, it was like so calming and so relaxing. And I just felt so chill. Like I wasn't like freaking out, like looking at like Twitter or Instagram. And I wasn't like, I didn't have an activity you know, um, and it just felt really quiet and what nice. What was the soundtrack? Did you have uh, some tunes playing? No, I was just like, I know. Oh. It, was, it was just like uh, I was listening to the, you know, the sounds in the coffee shop. And there's this dude actually who like every – so every time I go home, my dad and I have this ritual where – we got up really early because we're both early risers and we go to Willoughby's um, and the coffee place with the coffee place. Mm -hmm. And we have coffee and we talk. Um, and there's always this guy in the corner who's like really interesting because he's always talking to himself. But the way that you would talk to someone you were in like a vigorous debate with. Mm -hmm. But also he's like I don't I'm not trying to sound shamey about mental illness at all or judgmental, but it's it's interesting because he talks to himself vigorously and then also like goes to the counter and is like, hey, I'd like a coffee for here. And it's like, I, I, I think that like when I always see him talking to himself, I, I think like I wonder if he's struggling with some mental health issues. Mm -hmm. But now I actually think that he might just be like thinking out loud. I think yeah. he's I think he's like working some stuff out. Uh, so it was just like me and him on Sunday morning. I listened to him debate 
whoever uh-huh. and uh, hung up by myself. That was the soundtrack. I, I do that alone uh, when I'm alone or think I'm alone. I talk to myself. Talk, just talk it out. Yeah, I got to figure some shit out. I mean, yeah. I'm all for it. Yeah. Was that all shamey? Do I have to cut that whole thing? And by no, I, I mean you. No, no, not okay. at all. Um, I think it's just, you know, people do that sometimes. Yeah. They sort of have to assess out what's going on in their head. Yeah. You know, I don't care. Okay, done and done. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so that was uh, that was the thing we did. Yay! We have some great emails today. We sure do. Um, what do you uh, do? You want me to read the first one or? Yeah, go for All it. All right, cool. So they wanted the name Amelia Pond. Mm-hmm. Um, is that who's that from? I want to say Doctor Who because I, they mentioned Doctor Who, right? A fictional character in the long, yeah, Doctor Who, Doctor Who. Okay, okay. cool. <clears throat> I'm gonna, you know, maybe cut out that cough, maybe not. Maybe we'll not. see. All right. Um, <clears throat> I apologize because this is long winded. Background I majored in fine art in college and later got my Master of Arts in teaching because I wanted to be a high school or middle school art teacher. However, when I graduated, the economy had crashed, and although I applied for every art teaching job I could find, I didn't get anything. The only interview I had was for an after-school art program, and I was told that I was overqualified before I even sat down. Since teaching positions dry up during the school year, sublists were either full or closed, I started painting as something to do until jobs opened up again. Being hopeful and naive, I decided to give a go at being a full-time artist because the teaching situation wasn't looking to turn around soon and the, the art thing looked like it was starting to take off. My husband and I agreed to give it five years to see if I could make a profit. It was really hard because I hate not having structure, and without the deadline of a show or commission, I have a very hard time forcing myself to create art regularly. Regardless, things looked to be growing, and I was getting into more shows and selling more work each year. I did fairs and festivals, participated in open studio tours, sold work online, made prints, participated in lots of local shows, joined art groups, showed nationally, and taught workshops to students and adults. Things seemed to be moving forward until a couple of years ago. I wasn't accepted into half of the events I usually was and kind of hit a wall. I began to look more closely at what I was doing and realized that although I had been busy and was now very active in the art community, it didn't necessarily translate into success. I pay to apply to art shows. I spend money and time to make work. I pay to ship pieces to a show if I'm accepted. And if they don't sell, which they usually don't, I pay to ship them back. Then I go down to my studio surrounded by boxes of work made for return from shows and have to create more work. It's the most demotivating thing in the world. At one point this year, I had been a part of all these exciting shows and opportunities that people were congratulating me for, but I'd only made $30. And at one of the shows, barely anyone showed up and the gallery owner blamed the artist and made us feel shitty for the poor attendance. Over the past six years, I've applied here and there for day jobs, but during the year when I didn't have many shows, I started applying in earnest for any kind of job. I soon found a full-time gig as a personal assistant for a fine art and antique appraiser, but it only lasted three months until he decided he didn't actually want an assistant, but another appraiser. That was the summer of 2015, and since then I've applied for 27 jobs. I'm still slogging along with my art career, but after everything that's happened, my heart isn't in it anymore. I recently got a weekend job at a boutique near my house, which is nice, but not a long-term situation. I decided that I'd try 
try to get pregnant this year and maybe take a couple of years off to do the baby thing. But after 11 months of trying and one early miscarriage, this seems like a failure too. After a very depressing year of spinning my wheels and feeling like an utter failure, I'm contemplating going back to school for my graphic design degree. I know there's some overlap with the classics I took in art, and it seems like the best way to make my artistic skills relevant to businesses. I just want a job that I can go to every day and be paid for my work. I want regular hours, benefits, and a retirement account. My husband has been supporting me these last six years, and while we've gotten by barely, I worry consistently about what I would do if something happened to him or his job. I suppose I could go back to teaching, but my license is expired and it would take more school, money, and classroom hours to renew it. Watching my husband get frustrated and leave teaching after eight years doesn't exactly make me want to jump back into that world, especially with art, which is routinely cut. So, after my entire life story, here are my questions. How do I move past multiple failures, art teacher, artist, assistant, mother? Am I making another mistake by jumping ship from art I did with teaching? Should I just go back to teaching? How do I not feel like I'm selling out by giving up art to work for a paycheck? Should I be trying harder to make art work? How do you deal with going back to school and starting a new career late in life about to turn 34? How do I move past all the frustration and failure and reinvent myself? Basically, how do you keep trying when you've had zero success in life, you're jaded about the world, and you have no faith that anything else you try will work? Thank you if you've made it to the end of this. Since I know you're going to ask, no, I'm not in therapy right now, but I have been in the past occasionally, and I'm trying to set it up again. I do suffer with depression, anxiety, and ADD, but I'm not medicated. Any advice you could give me would be wonderful because I'm sure my husband is sick of me lying on the floor crying about life. Thank you so much for all you two do. Thank you for that. Okay, Amelia Pond. Cool name. Um, Here's what you got going on, Amelia Pond. This is what I call your basic Eeyore situation, Mm. which I call it that when I myself get into an Eeyore mindset, which is that like everything is terrible and you're almost like collecting data to prove to yourself that everything is terrible. And you're like, you're actually like actively framing things as terrible because you feel so bad. Um, like you you said you've had zero success in life, but you have a partner, it sounds like you love, and you create art, and I bet you have friends and you have skills and talents. Um, I, I think that like uh you've called yourself like a failed a failed art teacher, artist, assistant, and mother. Like those are all failures. Like I I don't think that like I mean, it might seem like semantics to you, but like, I mean, how would you feel if someone called a friend of yours a fail, a mm. failure as a mother because they miscarried or a failure as an artist because the art world is really hard to make it in yeah. um, and they sort of rethought and rejiggered their career path? I think that like there's definitely you definitely have things to like figure out like material things. What are you going to do to make money? What are you going to do to make sure you have insurance? But I think you have this whole other set of problems that you need to deal with, which is like, how do you deal with the fact that you think of yourself as a failure that, you know, getting a different career would be selling out. 
that you're starting a new career late in life. I mean, 34, I mean, unless you're planning on shuffling off this mortal coil at <laughs> age like 50 um, or like 45, I don't really think it's this that late in life. Um, I started a, a second career at around your age. Um, I started my first career way late, my second career even later than that, quote unquote late. So I think like part of what you're dealing with is like, your frame. And I don't, I don't say that to be like, get better at framing <laughs> stuff because I, I, I've been there. Like I've been in the situation where it's like a bunch of stuff feels really shitty. And so then that just makes everything feel really shitty. But I just, I'm, I'm saying it to say like, there's like the objective reality of like, you need to figure out your career stuff so that you can like make money and like have an existence that, you know, you can support. But then there's like, the, the, there's no objective reality to the idea that like you're a failure or that you're a failed artist or assistant or whatever. So, I mean, you've even used like your husband leaving his job as a teacher as like mm. proof that like you shouldn't either because that discouraged you when mm. I don't, I mean, I can think of like a million, no, not a million. I can think of a lot of people who like stopped doing whatever because it didn't work for them and I could use that as data to be like well that's why I should never do that thing right. like I, but why why would I use that data to inform my decision about whether or not I want to pursue something so like I guess what I'm saying is um you know I think you know we're going to tell you to go to therapy um and you know depression anxiety and ADD are all things that oftentimes people uh are medicated for and find that it really opens things up so that they can like do the work they need to do to feel better. And so I think like, um, I, you don't, you don't have to be on medication. Not everyone has to be on medication, but like you're, you're not really putting yourself in a position to like feel better because mm -hmm. you're not even going to therapy. So do that. Mm -hmm. Um, and Catherine. Yeah. Okay. So Sorry. it sounds to me that um, you are very depressed, which yeah, that's nothing wrong with that. That is common. And it's a rough world out there. And I, I will say this. The first time I went on medication, I felt like an absolute failure. But my shrink, who I'd been with for a while, was like, I think you really just need to know what it's like not to feel all the time how you're feeling, which felt like just worthless. And the difference I saw in my ability to see things differently was amazing. Um, and I'm not on the same medication anymore. And I was on it for a while and have changed and done other things. But even just seeing that there was a different way of looking at the world changed everything. And I'm reading this and, and you say you're a failure. Oh, my goodness. You have done so many amazing things. And I think people have this idea of what it means to be an artist. I will tell you right now, a lot of these successful, quote unquote, artists I know not only go through this on a daily basis, but have another source of income or help. You know, so you're not a failure. Um also, wanting a job that you can just go to every day, I think I've told this story before, but I worked at a hedge fund for five years by accident because I wanted to get out of bartending and I started temping and I was like a really great fit and I finally joined the company knowing I can just quit at any moment. I, I haven't given up. I know nothing about hedge funds. I was a personal assistant. I, I was okay at it. Um, but during those five years... I was able to get insurance, get on some medication, see things clearly. And next thing you know, I was writing more. I got an agent. Like, I actually found structure 
helped me a lot. Mm -hmm. Knowing that I had to be at this job from like 8.30 to 4.30 made me want to do more later. And it gave me the financial means to make those changes and also health insurance and all these things. Um, I'm not saying this is a, and now my life is perfect because it's not. But there is nothing wrong with quote unquote selling out. I was actually about your age when I did that hedge fund job a little bit younger. And it's like that really did change my life. And it is hard to be an artist, but you have been doing so many amazing things. There's so many ways in which you can be an artist that aren't the textbook ways of being an artist. And I had a conversation with a really good friend of mine this weekend. She's one of those high school friends I see every few months. But when we talk, it's like everything. She, uh, same thing. She was an artist for a while. She studied was very successful selling her stuff for a lot, um, got married, had an amazing child, kind of stopped doing the art, kind of couldn't get back into it for a while, um, go back and forth with who pays the rent and the insurance. And they're, they, they, they're not struggling, but they're still getting by. And she just took a job working at a food co-op just for fun because she's like, I need to get out of the house and do something different. And she's I'm not like speaking on her behalf, but like she's finding that any skill set is a skill set for things you want to do and inspire you to do other things. So she hasn't given up on art. She wants to get back into it. But for right now, she needs to take care of some things. Yeah. So I, and I say all that to be not to, you know, Susie Sunshine, everything's going to be fine. But going back to the depression, you're not really going to be able to see things very clearly until you start looking at things a little bit differently. Because the truth is, life is, it can be very difficult. But also, I read this and I see that you are just totally doing well in so many other ways. And I think, number one, please, please get some help therapy, medication if you want, not necessarily, but a perspective shift really helps. Life is very hard and it helps to know when to look on the bright side without trying to sound like Susie Sunshine, mm -hmm. you know, like I'm, I get depressed daily in the world. And yet I, I am able to have the tools to see the beauty and get by and, and help and feel good. Is that? Yeah. Um, I, you know, if you're like crying on the floor so much that you think your partner is getting sick of it, this is beyond what two podcast hosts and like a partner can do for you. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I, I just really think you need to seek more help. Um, and like, you know, Doing art, I mean, Catherine and I, we don't make our careers doing the struggle bus until the bartender. You know what I mean? Like, uh, we do stuff for money and then we do this other stuff that's creative and that we love for freezies. Um, and I mean, we did it. We actually paid to do it yeah. until you lovely people started supporting us. Yeah. And, you know, there are plenty of people who, um, you know, they either decide for because they want to support their family or they want to travel or whatever that like you know, they're not going to make enough money to do all that stuff if they try to stay a musician or a comedian mm -hmm. or a visual artist or an actor. So they uh, they do it as a hobby. They like go to open mics and perform or they like go to storytelling shows mm -hmm. or they, you know, play at their coffee shop or they do community theater or they start a podcast or whatever. But they also do this other stuff for money. And I'm not saying like it's easy and everyone has like a million hours in the day where they can like pursue all their creative things and do the thing they need to do for money. But um, I think that like the, the situation you're describing being in, which is like not really being sure what you want to do for a job or career and also really wanting to do something creative and being 33, I think that's like m so much more 
the situation most people are in than the thing of like, first I went to high school, then I went to college, mm-hmm. then I went to medical school, then I did a residency and now I'm 29, I'm a doctor. Mm-hmm. Like that's like, yes, people do that. But like a lot of people follow the path you're following, which is like not, it's like objectively that what follows is fact. It's not delayed. It's not a failure. Uh, it's not bad or wrong. It's just like the path you're on. Um, and, you know, I wouldn't say that if you were like a real failure. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I, probably, <laughs> I, 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 I just I think that like the concept of like failure and success is like not not like in the eye of the beholder, but like totally culturally defined. Yeah. And like if, if you want to use some external uh, like frame to decide like what your worth is as a human being, like that's your choice. But you probably don't do that with a lot of other things like you probably don't like, well, I don't know. I don't need to get into like, you know, ideal standards of beauty and shit like that. But like my, my point is just that like, you, I'm sure you're able to see a lot of the other social constructs we have as being social constructs and that they're like damaging and dumb and made up and failure and success and like career path. That's just another one of those social constructs. Yeah. I turned 41 in two weeks and I still get called by some people an aspiring actress and I have been doing it professionally <gasps> For 25 years. And I say that not as like bragging like, oh, but I'm not. But listen, I just because you haven't seen me on TV a lot or, you know, shows or whatever. It just means that those people who say that to me, uh, I don't like them anyway. And 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 don't let them get to you. Mm-hmm. Listen to the voices of people who are encouraging because there's always going to be a voice that's discouraging. And it's how you see yourself that's most important. You don't ever have to qualify who you are to anyone who doesn't know you. Yeah, I agree. And I think like just to reiterate what Catherine and I have both said, changing your perspective isn't really like I think when you're like this far down the rabbit hole of thinking you're a failure, it's not really a matter of like a little bit of like elbow grease and like pulling yourself up (laughs) by your bootstraps. I I really think it is like going to professional and being like, like, get in there. I just pointed to my brain, Mm. Um, get in there and like help me rearrange some stuff so that I can like. I can sort of be freed up to figure out what my next move is and not just be filled with like self-loathing all the time. Think of it this way. If you created the most amazing painting today, just today, Mm -hmm. and it sold and it was everywhere and all of a sudden you had a big party to go to, would you really be that happier? You know what I mean? Would that be the answer? Because I'll tell you right now, I've had like really great things happen career-wise for me, but I was unhappy and I just got more stressed out that, oh, no, now I'll be a failure if mm-hmm. I don't do something else right. right. Well, that, that's the thing is, like, even when you do have an awesome success and it feels really good, it doesn't last. Yeah. Like, and that's why, like, the thing that ha- – I mean, the, the feeling of feeling like you accomplished something I think doesn't last. Mm-hmm. Like, I think, like, you need to have something inside yourself yes. that does last. Yes. And, like, that's the thing that sustains you. And it reminds me of our live show where after the live show, I was, like, flying high. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, my God, that was amazing. Like, we should be on Broadway starting tomorrow. <laughs> You know, and like that, that feeling faded. And like the next week when we recorded, I was like, oh, my God, I'm giving terrible advice and I'm taking too long to talk. And why am I messing this all up? But like but that's like normal. Like that's like, you know, when when you put yourself out there and create something like you have some insecurity. But like the thing that has to undergird all of that is like a basic belief that 
you have some talent, you have something to contribute and you stand by whatever you do and you'll continue to learn and grow. But if like the thing that undergirds everything is like, I'm basically a failure. I hope the next thing I do is the thing that makes me not a failure. That's like not, it's no way to live, Mm -hmm. you know? And it's also just like not sustainable. Yeah, yeah. I have never heard the word undergird. You've just said it twice and I love it as my new favorite word. What does it mean? Um, like, like undergirdle? No, like under. Uh, did I make it up? No, it's like it's like when something like supports something else. Wow. Um, secure or fastened from the underside. Right. Especially by a rope or chain passed underneath. So there, I might have that word. <laughs> oh, provide support or a firm basis for. There you go. Yeah. When I use a cool word, I like to use it again right away. I, 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 so I said it twice. reacted very strongly to it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think that the whole point is like, Take care of the, the the you. Take some time to take care of the you stuff. And I know it sounds cheesy, but like you will be able to see. I think that's the first step. Yeah. You really need to do that first. And you, you it doesn't mean you're giving up. Mm-hmm. It just means you're taking care of yourself for the next step. I agree. Yeah. I, I just I don't I think that it's impossible to do like troubleshooting when you're in such <sighs> a like pit of despair. Yeah. Like the, no solution you come up with when you're in that state of mind is going to be a great solution. I yeah. think, you know. Yeah. I think that I've said this before and I'll make this real quick. Um, getting out of the depression for the first time when I actually saw things, it's as if you get out of the shower and the mirror is foggy and everything's terrible. And then you wipe the mirror and everything is clear mm. and beautiful. That's how I described it to myself. And it, I started That's literally cool. seeing things in such a different way. And I was still I was using a part of my brain that I just kept aside for a while that I wasn't accessing for whatever reasons. And it really helped me. That's just, awesome. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. So that was that. The old foggy mirror. Yeah. Cool, man. The old foggy mirror. All right. We have another. We have a lot of emails. We have a lot. We Maybe we should just read one more. Yeah. Because okay. yeah. it's their long. I have a lot of things long to ends. say about this. Okay. Well, uh, wait. Did it, is it me or you? It's you. Okay. But is okay. this the one? Oh, yeah. Here we are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They want a name from Steven Universe. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just Googled. Do you, do you know Steven Universe? Nah. Okay. Well, there's a, a character named Rose Quartz. <gasps> yes. It's pretty dope. So Wait, I think is we that a cartoon? Um, I'm going to – I want to say yes. Yeah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. It is. It uh, is. Yeah, and they want she, she her pronouns. Okay. Rose so. Quartz. Cool. Excuse me while I make a quick note. Rose Quartz. What's your birth sign? Um, I'm an Aries. I mean, what's your what's your jam? Sorry, I think it's a diamond. <gasps> well, well, well. As you already knew, I'm pretty fancy and into expensive jewels. I can see. Based what, what's on what, yours? Aquamarine. Ooh, that's cool. See, that's it, interesting. It's interesting. Yeah, mine is boring. Um, no, <laughs> no, diamonds aren't boring. Diamonds, diamonds are, great. are forever. Diamonds are forever. Aquamarines are God knows where. <laughs> I always. It's funny that I always thought it was funny that my birthstone is a diamond and my name Sally is derived from Sarah, which means princess, which. Our t- diamond and princess are. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't realize I was in the presence of royalty. Your highness will be fine. Well, well, well. Hey. Uh, by the way, true story, maybe not true, I don't know. Um, my great great grandmother from Hungary, mm-hmm. okay, uh, was uh, uh, to be the queen. She was related to something and she was going to be the queen abdicated the throne oh, to marry a commoner because that's how we do in that's the Heller awesome. family. But technically by blood is a countess and I am 
allegedly a Hungarian countess. That is so cool. So that gets like passed down? I guess by blood. I mean, let's be honest, the monarchy is is not existing anymore in, in Hungary, but you know. Okay, but I would definitely add countess to my Twitter handle. Be- people did call me Countess Catherine for a while my last job. It's so awesome. Is the story true? I think. I, I mean, it's true enough. I'll take it. It is true. Okay. So, um, diamonds, diamond princess. Princess diamond, countess, please. Princess diamond <laughs> and Countess Catherine. Is that our new show? Um, yeah, definitely. Oh, man. Please tune in. Oh, gosh. Okay, so this is from Rose Quartz. Uh, here we go. About a year ago, I got out of a four-year relationship. I went through a lot of personal upheaval while we were together, including anxiety issues and the death of a parent. And my partner, who was significantly older and had been a close friend for years before we got together, was always there to guide me through it. But we fought nonstop, and I always seemed to be falling short of his expectations for what he wanted in a partner. Eventually, it dawned on me that a lot of my boyfriend's quote-unquote help had little to do with what I needed or wanted and more to do with molding me into the person he wanted me to be. For example, he would often tell me I needed to set better boundaries with the people around me, but would gaslight me if I tried to set even small ones with him. When I self-soothed after something upsetting happened, he wouldn't be... He would be unhappy that I hadn't come to him first, ignoring what an accomplishment it was for me to be able to handle these things on my own. He blamed me and my anxiety for keeping secrets from him, not realizing that his tendency to barrage me with questions or guilt me over the smallest of perceived slights, seemingly at random, was making said anxiety a dozen times worse. So I left, and over the next year, it slowly dawned on me that he had mega control issues, fears of intimacy and abandonment, etc. That got conveniently swept under the rug while he was telling me about all the ways in which I needed to improve myself. Now I'm seeing a therapist, dating a very kind person, and I'm generally in a way better place, but I'm left with two main problems. Problem one, we had a lot of friends in common in our local art and music scene, and my ex managed to stay tight with nearly all of them. He's been ranting to them about how betrayed he feels while making a big show of ignoring me in public. He's even told some of them that I cheated on him with my new partner, which didn't happen. I'm on okay terms with a lot of these folks, but he gets the benefit of the emotional support and the invitations to parties and events. He's even starting a band with my roommate. I don't begrudge the guy for having friendships, but I miss my old crew, and I'm also left wondering where the hell the tide of outrage is on my behalf. He was a good feminine... He has good feminist politics and is extremely charming, so people give him the pass. Even the few friends who I've talked to honestly about my side of things and who have admitted they think he's being unreasonable will still invite him out or start projects with him. I feel invisible and angry, but I also feel like telling everybody what a jerk he was will just look like sour grapes. Is there anything I can do, or should I just wait it out or give up on my old circle of friends? Problem two. Since I started coming to terms with the emotional abuse, part of my brain keeps compulsively listing and replaying over and over all the ways in which I was controlled and gaslit by my ex. It almost feels like my brain is still trying to justify to myself or to the world why I broke up with him or how I feel about the way he treated me. I should add that I grew up with a very controlling parent, so a lot of these issues are also tied up in a lot of childhood stuff for me as well. It's frustrating because I know how I feel and why I left. And doubting myself or seeking validation for my feelings is what got me here in the first place. I feel like this old thought pattern is keeping me from properly moving on and leaving this relationship in the past. How do I learn to really trust myself? Do you have any tips for recovering from controlling relationships? Thanks so much for your time. Yours, Rose Quartz. Okay, Rose Quartz. I have one question, Sally. Yes. Uh, Princess Diamond. Mm-hmm. Um. They Thank say you. in the beginning, 
got out of a four-year relationship, was it with this person or something else? I th- Do you know what I mean? I think it's with the person that they're, they're talking about. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Wow. Okay. First of all, Rose Quartz, to answer your second question, which is uh, blah, blah, blah. How do I um, doubt? You, you know you're right. Okay, so uh, I I know it feels like you're doubting yourself, but holy crap, this is a very well-constructed email. You know you're right. You know he was controlling. You even pointed out the sort of older, um, I don't want to say father figure, but I guess he was older and therefore like giving you advice and all of that stuff. Um, You identified it perfectly. He was gaslighting you. He was... Things that he probably hated about himself, he was saying about you. I think you said at some point, like, getting angry at you for certain things that he probably got angry at himself for. This is classic gaslighting, abusive, emotionally abusive behavior. And I am so glad you're not in this relationship. And yet, I know how that feels to be like, wow, I was with this guy. Um, Please be kind to yourself. That is a natural reaction to to. I still have that with guys I've dated. I was like, what was I thinking? And, you know, I don't want to say we've all been through it, but it's you're you're growing, you're learning, you know, and the first time you've been gaslit, you have no idea what it means or what it feels like. And you do feel like there's something wrong with you. And especially because this person was older and charming and helped you through something. Yeah, I've been there. And um, I did realize later that it was abusive. Uh, so that's first things first. As far as the, uh, do you want me to stop there before the friend group thing? Because I have a lot of opinions on okay. that. Okay. Oh yeah, I'll it. jump in on this thing mm. real quick. Um, I I think that um, I think it's it's natural after someone has like really gotten inside your brain and moved stuff around in the way that an abusive partner does. Um, I think it's totally natural to for that that feeling of like being manipulated to not wear off for a while. Um. I think it, it makes total sense that if someone treats you a certain way and it makes you it changes the way you think just because it's not it's like in a science fiction movie when you kill the bad guy, all the bad guys minions die. Mm. It's like it's not like that. It's like just because you break up with like the bad guy. It doesn't mean that like every thought he placed in your head and every way he like made you feel instantly like disappears. Mm. I think that really takes some time, even when you like know objectively um that you did the right thing. And even when, you know, there are, I, I'm, I'm guessing that you have moments. I mean, it sounds like you do from your email when you have moments where you know what you did was right. I think you can still, the like residue of being controlled like that can come back and make you feel like, oh shit, I, I need to justify it. I think that it just takes time. And I, I also think it just, it also takes work. Like I think it, 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 it takes work to like process what happened in that relationship and how what they did to you made you feel and all the other things that one processes in therapy, which you're in. So I think that like if you're talking about this in therapy and giving it some time and trying to like uh, unpack it, I think that that feeling of like compulsively replaying things over and over will start to fade. Um, And I also think like um, I think you can also say to your therapist if you haven't already that like this is a thing that you're experiencing is like you're compulsively like over and over like revisiting these things because I think that like having thoughts that feel like compulsive or intrusive are like um, like I think a little bit can, can be different than like I you know I spend a lot of time ruminating I, I think that like things can start to feel like intrusive to the point of distraction and that I think is the kind of thing that I, I, like it's a very specific thing that a therapist can be like okay let's like let's address that mm-hmm. um, and I think it'll help you move on 
Um, so give yourself some time. It does sound really frust- frustrating. Um, and I think recovering from a controlling relationship is like is about time and also understanding what was going on for you in the relationship and how the controlling functioned and w- what what was going on with you that um, like synced up well with an abusive person, which is not to say that you have any blame in anything whatsoever because you don't. You're not to blame. The abuser is to blame. It's more about figuring out, I think, like what the um, – like how the puzzle pieces fit together of the situation you were in. Yeah. I think like that's how moving on quote unquote works. Can I jump in real quick? Yeah, you please. also say you had a very controlling parent growing up. That's how you learned. You know what I mean? Like my, I same, same with my situation. I mean, not every situation is the same, but my first relationship mimicked the one with my father because that's all I knew, you know? So it's really important to look at that. And when I broke up with that guy, I was a mess and I first went to therapy that, well, rephrase, I was sent to therapy when I was younger and it didn't work because I didn't want to talk to anyone. But it wasn't until then that I was, I lost it. I was really sad. And that's when my therapist was like, I think this is about your dad. Mm. And I was like, no, 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 no. I didn't cry during the divorce. I was fine. And she was like, (laughs) yeah. Like I said. Exactly. So not to, you know, say that necessarily is it, but that's really a very important thing to look at is that is how you learned. But what's great is that you you were able to address it and it is frustrating and it does take time. And mm-hmm. I think that even just acknowledging it is a huge step. So mm-hmm. uh, friend group, do you want to yeah, yeah, yeah. jump in on this or shall I? You can go first. Okay. <clears throat> so first of all, uh, I, I already know this guy, not personally, but like, oh, I'm cool. I'm an artist. I'm a feminist. Whatever. People hang out with him because they don't want to not hang out with him because he forces himself in every party and he might be fun to talk to. Right. People do not like conflict unless they have to. And you you're probably angry at some friends of yours who saw the way he treated you and are still cool with him. But guess what? That happens. And I had a situation a while back where I unfriended someone very publicly. I was like, not interested, Uh, you know, and I wasn't invited to a few parties sometimes. And that's fine because I did not like this person. And it's been years. And guess what? People figure it out. You know, I, I have friends who are still friends with this person. And so long as I've been clear about my boundaries you know, invariably they come to me to complain about him, which is kind of annoying because I'm like, yo, like that's if you, if he's your friend, then you complain to him about that stuff. But we were in a very tight circle of friends. We still kind of are. And it is what it is. You know, um, you want people to come to your defense and fight for you. They likely won't because ultimately people don't like to rock the boat. And, um, you know, it sucks. But uh, you you will have your close circle of friends that will always be there for you. And I don't know if that's the best advice, but that sort of explains sometimes why people just don't want to go there. Mm. Thoughts? Um, I, um, okay. I think that I'm always shocked when people get good information, like trustworthy information that <laughs> someone is a, a bad person. Not, not like, not like a bad person in that like they're annoying to be around or they like don't, tip enough or something but a bad person in the sense that like they're emotionally abusive or physically abusive or they're kind of a sexual predator or they prey on vulnerable women Mm. um and and continue to like um either be really good friends with them or support them in some way or whatever i i think it's like shocking and disappointing but 
it also seems to be what people do and yeah. in, in my experience. Um, and I think that like, you know, you, you said that the few friends who you've talked to honestly about your side of things, they've admitted that he's being unreasonable, but he's, that they, but they still invite him out or start projects with him. If, if someone, if someone told me that someone they dated was being unreasonable or if, or if they told me things about him that led me to conclude that he was unreasonable, unreasonable isn't a personality trait that would like lead me to not want to be friends with someone or do projects with them. But if someone was like explained that they were, um, that this person was like manipulative and abusive yeah. or a predator, that would make me stop wanting to be friends with them. Now, I don't know if you've said all of that stuff to them. If you have and they still want to be friends with him, I think that you can talk to them about that, you know, call them out and be like, I want to talk about how this person really abused me and it goes against his politics and your politics. And I want to understand like why you're continuing to hang out with him. And I think that's like totally fair. If they're like, look, it didn't happen to me. It happened to you. And there are two sides to every story. They can fuck all the way off. Mm. Like those people do not deserve your friendship. Mm -hmm. And I know it's like that's like much easier said than done because like these are your friends. But I think that like instead of like instead of this thing being a litmus test for whether they still want to be your friend, I think it should be a litmus test for whether you still want to let them be your friend. Like, because like, you know, people who like, again, like I, I think that like if people don't really understand the extent of what he's done, like they just think it was like a bad breakup, but there are two sides to every story. Then I think that's the kind of thing where people sort of like choose their allegiance or think they can be friends with both sides. But when, when someone you trust tells you that someone behaved in like a reprehensible way, like they were emotionally abusive or whatever, um, people who are good people should stop being friends with that person and should be your friend. I just I think that that is totally a no brainer. And I can't think of a situation where it would be appropriate to continue being friends with someone who was a total monster. However, I have seen it happen in multiple circumstances. And it's like it's it's appalling. But what you I think that like in in the situations where I've seen that happen, what I see is people who are needy or broken in some way and get something from being with this person who they know is terrible. And it's like, I, I'm thinking of specific things in my life. And I, I know, so I know specifically the ways in which I think these people are like needy or broken, but, um, I'm not saying it's like, it's always the same in every situation, but I'm saying that like people, um, are getting something that they need from, uh, being, associated with this terrible person and that means that they're not <laughs> we, we have to stop because I'm something so amazing sorry. is happening this is incredible <laughs> your window cleaner there yeah there's like a, a gigantic <laughs> elevator outside your yeah. window <gasps> there's um it's like there's a man they're like they're like weatherproofing our building or something <gasps> and so sometimes we'll be like in our living room and there's just like a guy on the other side of the window, just like chilling. Oh, I did not um, mean to. Yeah, stop. no, it was no, appalling. Your, your thought was, uh, your thought was <laughs> Yeah, no, so b basically like what I'm saying is like reframe this to be about how these people, th there is something in them that is like lacking or wanting and that's why they're continuing to be associate with this person who's a monster. Not that there's something wrong with you because they're not 
taking your side. I will say that if you haven't, I, I don't think, I want to be clear that I don't think you need to like prove mm. that this person did terrible things. I don't think you need to like show text messages or whatever. Mm-hmm. I, I just, I think that like you, you need to make clear the reality of the situation. If you've already done that and they're still being assholes, fuck them. Yeah. And I, and I guess what I meant to say as well is, is I am not uh, saying the behavior is okay. I'm just sort of saying I do see this a lot, how people have a hard time. But I, you just reminded me, the hard line that actually happened was uh, years and years and years ago, I was at a party. And this is when we recently unfriended. He did something really, really shitty to a, it. Was, he's like a sexual predator. I'll just say it. Fuck it. And um, a lot of people didn't believe it. And I was like, well, I believe her. So fuck you. And uh, we were at a party. And I already said to him, I don't like him anymore. Right. And I didn't talk to him at the party. All right. And uh, someone else afterwards, they were like, oh, God, you know, he said that like you were really shitty to him and wouldn't talk to him at the party. And like that was really upsetting. And I went, I'm really fucking. And I just yelled. And I was like, you know what? You fucking know why I don't like him. I didn't talk to him at a party. Did I punch him? Did I do whatever? Are you fucking kidding me? That's why he's mad. And who we got into a fight. And we're not really very good friends anymore, me and that person. But that person who like tried to call you. on Yes. And that's when I kind of, quote unquote, lost some friends. But after that, um, and I wasn't always invited to things. But then there were things that he wasn't invited to. And I was pissed, but I was also like, what the fuck? Mm. I don't have to put up with this. And I'll tell you what, that was like 15 some odd years ago. I still have the really good friends who were who t- who got my back and mm-hmm. the ones who didn't. They're nice to me and it's fine. But at least they don't mm-hmm. ever say to me, come on, you guys yeah. work it out. They learn not to do that. I definitely think it's like, you know, it's useful house cleaning because if these people aren't going to have your back I, I didn't in this anyway. situation, <laughs> what's that? I didn't need their back anyway. No, no, but I'm, I'm talking to... um. I can't rose quartz. Yes, yes, yes. Like if, if like these people aren't going to have your back now, yeah. like are, that, I mean, it, they, they're not the kind of people that you want to like move through life with because mm-hmm. they're not like supportive people. I mean, it sounds like if they share your politics, but they're still friends with him, then they lack integrity. Uh-huh. I mean, there are like a lot of reasons to like, to, to use this as like a, um, like I said before, like a litmus test of like, do these people deserve to be my friends? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, I'm all for giving people a fair shot and being like, hey, listen, I want to make clear what happened and I want to tell you that it's hurting my feelings, what you're doing. And if after that, they're like, yeah, I hear you, but like I have to go do this project with this guy, then you can be like, mm-hmm. bye-bye, mm-hmm. you know? I just will never forget that moment that uh, that woman said that to me. And I'm like, he had the balls to complain to her that I didn't have a conversation with him. We weren't in the same room. Nothing happened. I was like, there are some people who are just... They they think they have they're entitled to everything. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. And I think also like these people that are able to like gaslight people um, in relationships, I think they can also do that. Like they can charm lots of people. Yeah. Like, you know, it's not like you're the only person who is charmed by them. Like probably their whole circle of friends and acquaintances or coworkers also thinks they're like an awesome guy. And so they're also, you know, um, under the delusion that everything is fine and he's not at fault. And so um, mm-hmm. that's another thing that you're like up against when you're trying to get when when you want people to be on your side is that like they're one of you is like willing to like lie and manipulate people to keep them on their side yeah. and the other one of you isn't. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Wow. There's a lot there. So the point is Rose Quartz. 
you're you're doing all the right things. Um, if you do want to draw a hard line with some friends, do yeah, you know? I agree. And uh, understand that everyone is doing the best they can, and you need to take care of you. And and congratulations for getting out of that relationship. And keep on keeping on. Yeah, man, keep on keeping do on. Not be hard on yourself. Yeah. Uh, keep us posted, Rose Quartz. Yes. We'd love to hear from you. Um, please join our Facebook group if you haven't already. And that goes for you too, Amelia Pond. Um, we did it. Yeah, this is a very long episode. So listen, you can tweet at us at strugglebuspod. Email us at strugglebuspodcast at gmail.com if you have a question or if you'd like to join the secret safe space Facebook group. Very supportive. A lot, a lot of animal photos. Oh my gosh. Did you see? Uh, oh, I forget what it was. It was amazing. Uh, I'll show you later. It was okay. I, I okay. I, I got to find an it. animal in the group. Yes, and it was a gif of an animal doing something amazing. Oh, I don't know. I don't remember. Oh, I forget. Anyway, oh, oh, I know what it was. It was a cat that was booping a um a praying mantis. Yeah, that was. And awesome. the praying mantis like boops it right back. I watched that for like. Did you not see this? No, I did. I did. Holy. I just forgot about. It. That's a good one. Yeah, That's yeah. Really good one. That was amazing. So anyway, um, Instagram.com/slash the Struggle Bus Pod for a photo of my hot stuff mug. Maybe use the hashtag Struggle Pod Buds four twenty to find a struggle buddy. Tweet at Sally T. Sweet, sweet, sweet. It's Valentine's sweet. Day. Yeah. Tweet at me at SVK Heller. Um. Yeah. That's pretty much it, right? Oh, be a member if you can. Mm-hmm. Go on strugglebuspodcast.com. For as little as five dollars a month, you get a ticket to ride pass, and you also get all the bonus monthly bonus apps. We have five apps. The last one was pretty epic, you guys. So. Um, yeah, the the last one was pretty epic. It starred uh, a one and only Ms. Molly Neffle. Oh. Uh, we talked about the Sex in the City movie. It was so 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 Mrs. so Gideon so good. Oliver. Yeah, you know her as Mrs. Gideon Oliver. <laughs> we um we drank kava and we talked about Sex in the City, which I think we should probably drink kava every time we record a bonus episode. It was love, right? It, it was, was awesome. Lovely, yeah. Okay, so anyway, become a member. Okay, so the <gasps> song this week is from the movie Pete's Dragon. Oh my god! And here's why. Um. <laughs> Today is Valentine's Day, but tomorrow is the day after Valentine's Day. Which you'll be listening to. Which is when you'll be hearing this. Mm -hmm. And it also happens to be my brother's birthday, February 15th. So I would like to wish my brother a happy birthday and dedicate this song to him. Um, It's Brazzle Dazzle Day from Pete's Dragon. And it's a really fun, uplifting song with um, Helen Reddy, Mickey Rooney, and that kid who plays Pete, Sean something. Um, And it's really fun and upbeat and... um, I'll just read one select lyric. Yes. It's a brazzle-dazzle day when you think of love and never a sorrow. That's the brazzle-dazzle way to do your work and take off tomorrow. And it's just like the happiest, most uplifting song. And it's all about just like, just like have a brazzle-dazzle day. I love it. Yeah, it's awesome. For a second, I thought it was razzle-dazzle from um, that musical. uh, Oh, I don't know. Give them the old razzle-dazzle. I don't know that, but what you're doing right now is amazing. Well, it's the uh, Fosse. It's the Fosse moves. Oh, okay. So yeah. it's like, it's sort of like jazz hands a little it, it's, bit. It, he does a lot of, yeah. It's, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, I wish this was a video podcast. Oh, <laughs> awkward. <laughs> no, that was amazing. Thank you. So, um, Nick, happy birthday. Happy birthday, Nick. And I hope you have a brazzle dazzle day. Aww. And I hope uh, the rest of you guys enjoy the part of the song we're going to play All you right. shortly. Well, I'm, I'm Countess Kate. I'm Princess Diamond. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. Thanks. Bye. Bye. It's a brazzle-dazzle day, so throw off the past and everything in it. That's the brazzle-dazzle way, enjoying your time from minute to minute, running through the sand without
on Shoes on Making sure that you don't keep your blues on Finding a boat we can cruise on It's a brazzle-dazzle day When you think of love and never of sorrow